Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. You're listening to The Wes and Walker Show. I was defending Steve Clifford. <laughs> Steve Clifford, I think he did a great job. You sound just like that guy. It's Wes. He's going to uh, ask you to come and do press conferences for him just behind a black curtain so he doesn't have to do it. And Walker. I like Clifford, the, the big red dog. It was my favorite childhood <laughs> book, Getting in Shenanigans. Uh, <laughs> I like dogs in general. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNC. That was- is a good book. Walker Show, Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. Keep the text coming on the Charlotte Men's Clinic text line, 704-570-9610. We got the text line buzzing, no pun intended, about our Hornets conversation. AJ says, Preach West took the words right out of my mouth. Uh, Lina Boy 74 says you are all over it with LaMelo. I've been saying that to the morning show. Just because he scores 30 don't mean crap if we don't win. He needs 15 and 15 assists with 7 to 10 rebounds. Goodness gracious. That could be <laughs> LaMelo game with his size at point guard. Uh, Bebop from Rock Thrill says you got to get the players to take the weed away from him for him to step <laughs> All right, so we have, we want 15, 15, and 7 or something like that. 15 and, we, and 15 with 7 to 10 boys. So he basically wants triple-double mellow on a nightly basis. And we need to take the weed from him. That's what we got from yes, the text line. that's what we got. All right, all helpful criticism for LaMelo Ball. And then uh, 843 number says Trey PJ. He is, uh, he didn't have very flattering things to say about uh, PJ, your man. Yeah, he yeah he called him straight buns. I didn't okay, know if you wanted yeah, me to finish yeah, that. I, I didn't know if that I was didn't. a little touchy, you know. But I didn't um, know what you wanted. Um, yeah, that was yeah. Any other text messages? <laughs> Wherever you want me to go, Wes, I will go there. I didn't know where you wanted me to go, but you did get me to say straight buns. So job accomplished from you. All right, no doubt about it. But now it is time to go to the campus. Kona. Uh, yeah, man. Walking in after the game to Ralph Sampson's restaurant in Virginia. And what do I see? Jordan Travis on TV. I, I see the injury. And at first when I see them, I mean, walked right in on it as I looked at the TV. I said, man, that doesn't look good. Then when I saw players kneeling on the field, both sides, I said, oh, he broke his ankle or broke his leg to some extent. I didn't see it in real time, but I saw that replay. And then when they put him on the um, when they put him on the cart, I said, yeah, that's it. Um, and so for Florida State, that's a huge Huge injury, and again, you just never know what's going to happen from week to week in this league. And Florida State just going out in a game the way they think this is going to be business as usual, go out and win by five or six touchdowns, call it a day, get ready for Florida. Now their whole season has been flipped upside down. I don't think it's hard to tell that Jordan Travis is out for the season. He was having a really great, efficient season. Those were undefeated. What was your take uh, on that injury and and the implications? Oh, I mean, yeah, it's everything. Uh, this this guy would be going to New York City. You would have to imagine. Uh, be, yeah, 
this college football season has produced a lot of impressive performers to the point where it is wide open. Jaden Daniels might win it. Those stats have been crazy despite them not performing as well as some of the other programs. But Jordan Travis was certainly in that conversation. When you lose a Heisman candidate, I am going to have to not believe in you as much as I would have had you been healthy. That seems like a pretty reasonable take. So with Jordan Travis no longer with Florida State, I know Joel Klatt laid out the potential. We did see it with Ohio State, having Cardale Jones allow them to get all the way to the national championship and to win it. That was really impressive. Why it was so impressive was because you have to imagine that also is an outlier situation. I just can't look at Florida State without Jordan Travis and say, okay, now I still expect them to compete with some of those other top programs. Wes, there are a lot of people that didn't believe in Florida State, even with Jordan Travis out there on the field. I... I always push back against that notion, even understanding where they're coming from. The reason I push back on it is because Jordan Travis is really good. They also have talent all across the board. It doesn't matter where you go. Like, I think that they're a talented football team in Florida State. Jared Verse, a great defensive lineman. You do have a couple of wide receivers that, yeah, Johnny Wilson might have a case of the drops, but that is a that's an excellent one-two duo. You know how much I like Trey Benson. They also have another running back that's in the fold that's very good. I think that they're talented enough, along with Jordan Travis, to have competed with some of these other schools that would be a top-four squad. But without their New York City quarterback, I just can't expect them to go the distance here, Wes. Yeah, I would agree with you, but enter Tate Rotomaker. Now, this is a guy that's played a lot of football at Florida State so far when you talk about in terms of being a backup. And so this young man, 6'4", 196 pounds out of Valdosta, Georgia, came from that program that's been a factory of putting out big-time college players. He comes in for Jordan Travis, goes 13-23, 217 yards, tossed a couple of touchdowns uh, versus North Alabama. And for his career, he's a 60% completion quarterback with 767 passing yards, seven touchdowns, and five interceptions. So for him... Word to Black Moon, it's time to enter the stage, okay? Hmm. Because they've got to play the Florida Gators. You know they would like nothing more than to ruin Florida State's year in the swamp. This is what rivalries are made of. And so this is going to be a tremendous opportunity for him. So we talked about it with Clatt. Do you think that if they went out, that they can still get to the CFP and that the voters will give them the benefit of the doubt? I don't think so with Washington, and I know you're going to have at least one of these teams, Ohio State and Michigan, lose in this game, so you're going to have at least one loss. The other teams that are undefeated ahead of them right now, Washington 4, Michigan 3, Ohio State 2, Georgia, of course, is number one in all of college football. Even with that loss, I think most teams would tell you that Ohio State and Michigan is better than Florida State, and I think Oregon as Fiddy was talking about, people would have Oregon possibly jump what Florida State has accomplished this year. Uh, one question I wanted to get to with Clatt, he discussed how Jalen Milrow has been developing enough for Alabama to where he thinks there's a legitimate shot that Alabama beats Georgia. So one thing that as much as I like Florida State and as much as I would have thought they were deserving of a top four shot with a top four spot, even with Jordan Travis, I, I don't know if I could tell you with a lot of confidence that Florida State's better than Georgia, even with Jordan Travis, right? If Alabama beats Georgia, we went over the scenario last week, Wes, mm -hmm. then I just think there's going to be too many scenarios that keep Florida State on the outside. 
especially with their Heisman potential QB not playing anymore. All that to say, no. I think their college football playoff chances, I think they're done. Wow. And I think they're going to roll with somebody else because if the college football playoff committee is trying to figure out who are the top four teams, I don't think that they're going to be able to make the case that Florida State is one of those teams anymore without Jordan Travis. All right, well, I'm going to push back here. I disagree. I think that if they are able to be dominant versus Florida, dominant versus Louisville, still win the ACC, I don't see them holding out an undefeated Power 5 champion because the problem with Oregon is that if Oregon loses to Washington, they're going to have two losses. You're not putting a two-loss team over an undefeated Power 5 champion. Uh, Same deal with Washington. If Washington loses this game, then I think you see a scenario where it would be Georgia, Ohio State, uh, or Michigan with Florida State, and then the winner of that Pac-12 game. Don't know if you throw Texas in there over them or Bama or any of those other teams. I think if Florida State is able to finish the slate undefeated. I think they get in by the hairs on their chinny, chin, chin. Okay, taking it back to a little bit of the uh, fables or whatever the case back in the day. Fairy tales. But I think that they get in there uh, if they're able to finish undefeated. And I think Rotomaker's capable. Uh, Now, this is one of those situations you have to go back to the phrase being a game manager. But I think that one thing that helps him the height of those Florida State receivers. He's got guys that he can throw 50-50 balls to when in doubt. They can come down with it with mm-hmm. consistency. He's got the tight end in Jaheim Bell. He's got the running game. He's got everything he needs. It's literally for him, just put the ball in the hands of the playmakers. Don't make mistakes, and they should be okay. I think where my lack of confidence comes in, they've had to have Jordan Travis be dynamic despite a lot of that help too. Like I think Jordan well, Travis that defense has been lights out. Oh no, it's been great. Cases, yeah. Oh no, but even offensively though, I think mm-hmm. you've needed to see him making dynamic plays mm-hmm. in order to help get their offense going despite having all of the help he needs, which I do not disagree with you about. Yeah. I just have seen Jordan Travis uplift some of those offensive units, especially if Johnny Wilson has a case of the drops. We've yeah. seen that for a few games this year. And so we need to figure out you it, can you do that? Can you be dominant as a game manager? Like, you might be able to win, but we were already questioning Florida State when they were playing with their food, so to speak, mm-hmm. or when they weren't dominating as much as these other college football teams. Can they dominate with a different QB just serving as a game manager? That's the question, and I don't think they can. See, the thing, too, is I think they're going to turn into Michigan. They're going to turn into the Southern Michigan. I think they're going to play defense, and they're going to run the heck out of the football. When you've got a back like Trey Benson, who's a guy that hasn't gotten the ball as much as we thought, he's 6'4", a carry, 6.4, that is. No, those guys are nasty. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. So they've got guys uh, that are all big-time backs. And so I think that if he's able to get in there and just – they're going to run the heck out of the football, like I said. And so I think that's going to help Tate to settle down. And then when they have their opportunities, because teams know that, teams are going to give them – a loaded box. As I said, Benson is 6.2 a carry. Toa Philly is 6.0 a carry. And so I think that when teams make that box a little heavy, you go over the top with your receivers. And I think that's the way Florida State's going to play football. It's going to be old school, 90s, line it up, run it down your throat, play action pass, throw it down the field. I think the nodes are going to be okay, and I'm still going to predict them uh, to get into this game, even though I think Louisville is a very, very formidable opponent. Just a real quick box score uh notice here Uh how about florida state having 37 carries and having like 10 guys record a carry in that game against north alabama just a lot right like you had singleton with six you had cj campbell with three who led the way 
but you had so many different guys record a carry. Just you usually don't see that. North Alabama did too, to be honest. It was just yeah. out, out of reach, but it was crazy to see how many guys actually recorded a rushing attempt. Yeah, and so uh, I know it's been a lot of cleanup duty, but he is five touchdowns to zero interceptions uh, so far on the year. But do we feel that this really turned the tide of the ACC championship game, even if they get by Florida? Is that a game you feel like is going to be the one that's going to lead to their demise because Louisville's so explosive, very good offensively and defensively. I, for one, was annoyed because this is the first top 10 matchup we've had in the ACC championship game in quite some time. If both teams finish out undefeated, the star power definitely took a big hit with Jordan Travis. Did you feel like that that really turned the tide of this game for you where maybe you feel like Louisville is going to win? Yeah, there's there's a shot. Yeah, I I would – I mean, I, I thought Louisville was going to play well enough in order to give them a run for their money anyway. Sure. I, don't, I thought Florida State would win. I thought it would be a pretty good game because of the explosiveness that Louisville can bring to the football field. But, of course, like that that's the simplest of takes to come out of this. Jordan Travis no longer plays for Florida State. Jordan Travis was a Heisman candidate. Because he no longer plays for Florida State and they lose a Heisman candidate, it is going to take some of the excitement out of this for me because I just think there are going to be way too many excuses for the college football playoff to point to another team and say they deserve a top four spot. No, it's not impossible for them to still be able to get it done. I just would not bet any amount of money on it, anything that mattered to me by any stretch of the imagination because of the amount of excitement and star power that goes out. Yeah, and the interesting part, too, is the matchup. Florida State has not been great against the run. Louisville strength is the run when you talk about Jawar Jordan and what he brings in Isaac Garendo, who's been a terror too that a lot of people don't know about yet. 6'1", 225, but he can roll. And so that's going to be tough. If Florida State can slow down that rushing attack because Plummer, yes, they do attack and they throw it deep, but just they're not very gaudy like that in the passing game outside of thrash. Their targets, they're okay. So uh, we'll see. But unfortunate injury for Jordan Travis and the nose. And when we come back, what are the chances that we see someone fired today? Are we already past that point on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ? McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. asked you before the break what the chances were that we see someone fired within the Panthers organization today and if we're already past that point we got a few texts on the Carolina Men's Clinic text line 704-570-9610 Big Cat Dan wrote in well I think Reich should be fired just do it at the end of the season so that we don't end up with the Wilk situation again just fire Reich and Fitterer on Black Monday and start fresh from there. 704 wrote in, if somebody's not fired today, it will send a message that Tepper is fine with what's going on and you hate to see someone fired, but they need to do something. 
704, a different number, said, yeah, we're past the point of firing today. Frank and Scott should have been fired around 5 p.m. yesterday. Not much time after the game ended. And then Big Cat Dan, one more, said if Tepper keeps either, he would, in fact, be worse than Jerry Jones and Mark Davis. Wes, let me ask you, what's the benefit of firing Scott Fitterer and Frank Reich in season before we actually get to the offseason before they make that decision? Uh, I guess it's just getting a head start, so to speak, and just spend, sending a message to the locker room that losing is not going to be tolerated or uh, enjoyed by ownership. I think that's the message that you send uh, by doing so. Other than that, as far as on the field, I don't think much changes. Even though you do have a tendency to see teams when the coach is fired, they'll come out that next game or two after, have a little bit more of a fire under them and come out and play, get a win or two or something like that. But I think it just more so sends a message to the players and the fans that this is unacceptable. Uh, it's also telling that you made a mistake, clearly, because you just hired the guy. And if you fire him before he gets to a second season, you're letting the fans know, hey, we, we messed up. So I think that's the messages that are sent by doing that. I'm trying to weigh the short-term benefit with the long-term ramifications. If they fire Frank Reich and Scott Fitterer, but Frank Reich is the real decision here. If you fire Scott Fitterer, that's fine in season or as the season ends, because I can't expect him to hold on to his job the way that this season went, Wes. So if you fire Scott Fitterer, because so much of their work is done through the offseason, I don't know if there's really a benefit or a detriment as to that decision, as the timing of that decision. So that's that conversation's less interesting to me. The one that is interesting is Frank Reich. Here's why I wouldn't do it in season. Even if I understand why fans want it, just think about the situation this team has put themselves in, what David Tepper has put this team in when he's fired guys in season beforehand. Perry Fuel took over as the interim coach once they fired Ron Rivera. Perry Fuel never had a shot at that job, and they decided to go with Matt Rule afterwards. When they fired Matt Rule in season after the San Francisco 49ers loss that was so bad, they decided to promote Steve Wilkes as the interim coach. The idea was that he had to do, what was it? I forget the exact words used, but it was something to the tune of an amazing job. If he does an amazing job, Steve Wilkes will have a shot at this head coaching vacancy. He did pretty damn well. Steve Wilkes had this team playing better football than we've seen under the entire tenure of Matt Rule. You're actually playing meaningful football against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers the second to last week of the season, and it was a sack given up on the final drive by Ike Kwanu, but had had a pretty good season, too, under Steve Wilkes. I, the way that they had that style, I'd don't think that's a coincidence. I think the style that benefited Icky more, and we got to see good production. But what happened was they were playing meaningful football. Steve Wilkes doesn't have a shot. Wes, who are your top coordinators on this team right now that might get promoted? It would be Ajero Averro, your defensive coordinator, and it would be Thomas Brown, your offensive coordinator, turned play caller, turned not play caller, and has already had a mess of a season to which none of it is his fault. Is David Tepper really going to go with another black interim coach just to not give him the job at the end of the season if something turns around? Or there's not a win situation here. Because what happens is you either promote Ajero Averro or Thomas Brown as the interim head coach, and then you continue to lose. And now these coaches have that on their resume. 
even if we can have some context applied, you would hope that GMs, decision makers across the NFL wouldn't have that be on their plate, even if technically they did lose those games because they held the title as head coach. But that doesn't do them any favors. All right, so now you're giving them a mess. And then if you don't hire any of them, Thomas Brown or Jero Vero, after actually maybe squeaking out a couple of wins, maybe the offense does look better. Maybe this defense does ramp it up because you're right. We see it time and time again. When there is a coaching change, you do see an immediate change with how the team performs. That's just how it is. We see it all the time. If that happens and then you don't hire them as the head coach, well, then we're right back to David Tepper throwing all this mess on a black coach that was promoted and you got another problem. Now it's a pattern. Okay. Now you got this happening three times. I guess you don't have to promote Avero. You don't have to promote Thomas Brown. You could go to Josh McCown. You could go to Jim Caldwell. Maybe you could go to Dom Capers, whoever. But if you go to Josh McCown, I'm not sure that he would do a great job. And also when he gets it, then there is going to be a potential narrative. Oh, well, McCown privilege. He gets it. What did he do to deserve this job? working with Bryce Young, who hasn't looked great and, in fact, regressed the last three games. David Tepper, if if he sees a short-term benefit of getting out in front of the coaching search, beating these other teams, he's forgetting the long-term ramifications that he's already experienced. And my last point here, Wes, mm-hmm. if he does this again, it would be further proof that David Tepper can't learn from his mistakes. He can't do it. And that's why I do think you probably have to wait until the end of the season in order to make a decision on Frank Reich. Yeah, and I think that you bring a ton of valid points to the table. I think the way to go if you did make this firing now would be to go to a Jim Caldwell because he's the seasoned veteran head coach on the staff. I know that Dom Capers is as well, but I think – and you could go to Capers if you want to. If you wanted to feel like 95, 96 around here, you could go to Dom Capers as well. But I think for my money – if you are to make this move, I think you go to Jim Caldwell. You see what he can do with the job. He wouldn't be an awful candidate if you moved forward with him, but I know they want to go with the young, offensive-minded head coach. But you look at what he did in Detroit. A lot of people thought that he was wrongfully fired there. But he's used to dealing with the coach of losing and turning it around because that's what he did in Detroit. And so I think that uh, he's a guy that can come in and provide that steadying presence for the team. They could get behind that and try to finish the season as strong as they could. And so then I think you're not in a position to where if you put a Caldwell there and you don't move on with him, the fans aren't going to have a big deal about it unless they go on some type of miracle winning streak. Now if that happens. Okay. We're in a whole nother different ball. But, but you're just, but you're putting this mess on another black interim coach, is which true. is too much of a pattern in the NFL altogether. You can't do it again. Wes. Yeah. Like not my opinion. No, you that's just a, can't. That's a, that's a great point because the narrative is out there, whether people want to hear it or not, the narrative's there as far as what's been happening here. And so uh, that, that's a good point as you bring up to keep, him in until the end of this thing because of the perception. Now, if you give it to Avero at the end, if you decide to see what Avero can do, because he's been the guy. And by the way, it's not just from Carolina Panthers fans that have wanted Avero to be the head coach because the defense, at least in the last month, they've had their ups and downs. They were playing some good football for a while. That's an offense that's been on a tear coming in. And I think they actually did a pretty good job unless you count the personal fouls, which are maddening. I mean, all of the personal fouls, the unnecessary roughness penalties that allowed Dallas, like 
they stopped Dallas three straight times. And yet they still scored a touchdown at the end of that drive because <laughs> they kept making stupid play after stupid play. And that's on them. That's on the coaching staff. Bad team's gone bad Woo! team, man. Bad was, team's gone bad it, team. It was awful. But Averro had received interest this offseason from other franchises, from this very one who gave him a head coaching interview. And he's still getting it right now. We've heard from NFL reports even about a month ago, a couple weeks ago. Averro is going to be a name considered as the head coach wherever there is a vacancy. If you decide to name him interim coach and then you give him the job at the end of the season, then okay, cool. But if you think that there's a real shot that you don't, and I do think there's a real shot that they would not give him the job, then you got to ride this out with Frank Reich. It's going to get bad. But newsflash, it's already already terrible. It's already terrible. Rock bottom. I don't know how much worse you can get, to be honest with you. I mean, we keep asking that question and we, and it's frequently that we're proven wrong. So I don't want to continue to ask it, but I mean, you had an 80-20 turnout for Dallas Cowboys fans. Yeah, yesterday. it's rock bottom. It could get worse though. If something happens <laughs> well, to the quarterback, not, no, I'm saying yeah, no, if yeah. something happens to the quarterback. But outside of that, outside of him suffering some type of injury that takes him out for the start of next season or mm-hmm. doesn't put him back until the middle of next season, yeah, they're at rock bottom. You go into every game not expecting the offense to do anything. I mean, we're at that point. We're going to go against Tennessee next weekend, and Tennessee just got blitzed by Jacksonville. Now, the running game didn't really get going for the Jags. Trevor Lawrence had a nice game. Calvin Ridley finally got going again, a couple touchdowns. But when you play Tennessee, Tennessee has some talent up front. We know Mike Vrabel, despite them trading A.J. Brown and you know trading a lot of the talent that they've had before, it, Mike Vrabel's still a good enough head coach. And so if you're going to compare the coaches, then Tennessee – at home, by the way, Tennessee is going to be a team that I expect to perform well enough. And if you didn't do anything against a Colts defense that had been reeling, if you didn't do anything against a Bears defense, a Bears team that had been reeling at that time, I can't expect any. I, like I can't expect you to figure it out ever. I that that was the thing with Dallas, Wes. The only reason you might have had any confidence going against Dallas was the Queen City Magic thing. Was the foot. This it season, was working for a while. NFL is weird. Things are crazy. And they played bad football, but they were still in the mix, really because they were running it pretty well. I, I wouldn't say they dominated the line of scrimmage, <laughs> like Frank Subs. Reich said. Yeah, like Frank Reich said. But they were running it well. Chuba Miles Sanders had a couple of good runs. But, Wes, they needed a 17-play drive with two fourth-down conversions. That happened like, you know, the, the first fourth-down conversion attempt, Bryce Young had his pick. You know, he could go to Tommy Tremble, picked it up easy. They did pick it up easy with Adam Thielen wide open. But the second one, I mean, you barely get it. But thank goodness for Adam Thielen once again. And it took 17 plays to score. You have to be perfect. Every single play, if you're Bryce Young, in order to put points on the board. And that's why, because of such a slim margin for error, I can't expect this offense to produce anything. I mean, you better pack a lunch when the Panthers have a touchdown drive, okay? Because it's going to take a while. And so they're just at the point you are just simply looking for answers good enough to get you through the rest of the season. And there's still plenty of games left. Like this thing, you know, there's a lot left to be said for this season with all of the games remaining. And that's the funny part, too, with the matchup like Dallas. You expect them to come in and get smashed. It happens, and then there's all this fallout as if people didn't expect it to happen. Like, people's anger, they get so 
upset about it, but it's like you guys thought this was going to happen anyway. So what are you mad about? I guess the fact that you actually saw it come, see it come to fruition, maybe is what sets you off uh, with this team. But I think wholeheartedly you're on the right track as far as just letting them finish out the year because you don't have to add all the extra bad PR on to an already bad season. You clean up, figure out who you want to keep, who you don't, and move on. I was looking for this text. Somebody brought it up on the Carolina Men's Clinic text line. But one of the questions is, is there a reason that somebody might want this job? I did want to go to a Jonathan Jones report from CBS Sports over the weekend. And one of the quotes that he had in that article was that a league source told him some sharks out there do want this job with Carolina. But there are some guys out there like it's not surprising because there are only a limited amount of head coaching gigs in the NFL. So I could understand, yeah, there's only 32. Of course, when with these things being so scarce, even in a bad situation, <laughs> you still get to say that you were a coach in the NFL. But we have seen some guys turn this down before. Ben Johnson being one who was set to interview with the Carolina Panthers. Ben Johnson was the favorite. And then he said, no, nah, I'm good. I'm going to go back to Detroit. Even D'Amico Ryans didn't really want to interview with this team, and he ended up being the head coach for the Houston Texans. But according to Jonathan Jones, a source tells him there are some sharks, not even just some average Joes, right? I don't know who these sharks are. I don't know what size they are. I don't, know if, I don't know if they're vicious like great whites. <laughs> I don't know if they're vicious like a bull shark or if you're just some kind of like nurse shark that, you know, all these touristy places allow you to pick up because they're not going to hurt you. I don't know what kind of sharks want it. What's the selling point, though? We know all of the things that are wrong with this team. We know the David Tepper control aspect. We know you might not even have any continuity because of the GM being here. I don't know. What is the attractiveness of this job, Wes? If you were somebody trying to sell me this product, how would you sell it? How would you recruit it? Well, I guess my sales skills will be judged. Yeah, I was a salesman for a while. So let's see if I can uh, go back and have a little flashback here. Well, for one, I'm going to sell you on the fact that the division the pedigree isn't there. The quarterbacks that you have to deal with as far as winning the division is something that's going to be attractive. Mm, You're not like going to have to face a bunch of guys every single week uh, that you have to fear what they can do. So there's one. Uh, two, you've got Bryce Young, a, a young, promising quarterback. He's struggling, but this is a young, promising quarterback, so you've got that there. You're going to have plenty of salary cap space because you don't have to worry about paying a quarterback a bunch of money for at least another four seasons. So you get a chance to build the team in your likeness. It's Go pretty out good and pitch, Wes. Scrolling. I like it. Listen, man, I used to, you know, get the job done. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, you get to go out and spend plenty of Skrilla to get the guys that you're going to need. Uh, if need be, you've already got coaches on staff that I feel are more than competent there, whether you talk about Everett, so you already got a defensive coordinator in place that's one of the best in the business if you keep him as far as how he's perceived. Uh, so so those would be my selling points. And then on defense, you've got some young, uh, some young studs in Brown. And uh, you've got Brian Burns over there as well. So, so those would be my main selling points. And my last one, the closer, because, you know, closers get coffee, okay? ABC. And even though I'm not a coffee drinker, but you get it, <laughs> you will have an opportunity to be the face that turns around a franchise that has been devoid of the playoffs in six seasons. You're going to be the savior. You're going to be the guy. And you pretty much are going to have to build this thing brick by brick. All right, so let's go over all the reasons. I think there are a lot of good ones. QB contract. If you believe in Bryce Young, that has to be the pitch, right? We still do yes. if everything works around him, but it's still 
a QB contract that's as low as it is. I like that. Weak division, you're so right. You're talking about these other teams that have not landed their future or their franchise QB to this point. So you are not starting behind in that regard. Derek Carr is, I don't expect him to be the franchise QB for the Saints. The Falcons haven't shown anybody at that point. I don't expect Baker to be that guy. I like that. Good enough holdovers on the staff if you want to keep some of them. So you think a head coach would like to make their own decisions on that. But if you did want to keep Averro and Tepper was willing to pay him more and you still have this contract, then you could still do that. I like it. Defensive personnel, face, being the face to turn it all around. I like it. I thought that was a good sales pitch, Wes. All right, man. Because there's a lot of reasons to not like it. We know that. But I like some of those. Those are legit reasons as to saying, okay, this is why you should take over the head coaching vacancy for the Carolina Panthers. Tell Wes how awesome he is at closing the deal. 704-570-9610 on the Carolina Men's Clinic text line. Let's go to one more Fitty Flash before we even welcome in the last hour. What you got for us, Fitty? Fitty. The second AP poll of the men's college basketball season is out. We got some movement after you saw uh, FAU lose at home over the weekend to uh, Bryant. Um, Big news in the top 10 where you have Kansas, Purdue. That run, too. They're in Maui this week, a chance they can meet. And that invitational also, Gonzaga, is 11. ACC teams are featured. Number 9, Duke. Number 10, Miami. Number 14, North Carolina. And the number four, or number 24 for the first time this year in the polls, Walker, your Virginia Cavaliers have entered the AP Top 25. So now four ACC teams are ranked as Feast Week is here, the second best week of the college basketball season. They're my Virginia Cavaliers, huh? Because I've been high on them coming into the season. I like it. Let me flip it right back to you real quickly, Fiddy. What did you think of North Carolina's performance over the weekend? And now you get to see them off to a 3-0 start. Defensively is night and day. Seth Trimble, Jalen Withers, they're, they're specimens off the off the bench. I never thought I'd see the day where North Carolina is full court pressing up 30. But alas, that is the way Hubert Davis wants to play basketball. And I'm here for it. <laughs> he also said that he's going to start wearing the, the blazer, the suit on the sideline. Oh, I like know. Many it, of the great Carolina coaches before and him. And you have to, man. Like, co- players aren't going to take coaches serious when they're coaching in a rain jacket. Like, it's just not going to happen. Put on a put on a damn coat. Yeah, I hope he gets his footwear game up a little bit more on the sidelines. But other than that, uh, you know, I think this is a good sign for the conference, especially getting Virginia in there. They've looked fairly strong early. Don't necessarily have a go-to guy, in my opinion. You could say maybe it's Reese Beekman. But other than that, uh, Virginia looks like a team that's going to be trending up. And then uh, I think there'll be one or two other ACC teams that will get into the mix as well. Not Wake Forest. Dang. Yeah, sorry about that. We talked some college basketball, and he had to end it that way. I would agree with him. No, I'll say that much. Yeah, all right. Starting to throw in the towel already. We'll see if Fiddy sneaks in any more last-second insults towards Wes Bryant on the Wes and Walker (laughs) Show at Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. 
only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Interesting conversation during the break in the Planet Kia Studios. Flounder walks in, and I, I guess I'll start with this. Um, I'm a little shocked at the rebranding of Moe's. I didn't know that this was a thing, mm-hmm. Wes, but the color palette, it's all different. Um, and I didn't realize that they don't have the old menu items anymore, like Joey Bag of Donuts. I used to be a home record guy, at least in Moe's, not anywhere else. Just want to make that clear. But I used to be a home record guy. Home record man. Yeah, no, that's not a good nickname. I don't want that nickname. But I used to go to Moe's and get the home record. Used to eat there quite a bit. But now everything is different. And I was disappointed to learn that they don't even say, welcome to Moe's. They don't do that anymore. When I you think walk they're in. probably supposed to do that at least. And they probably just don't. But. Uh, I noticed that about seven, eight months ago, somewhere along those lines, I saw it on a billboard for me. and I saw the colors and I said, oh, I was like, that's Moe's now? I was like, okay. So I see they did a rebrand. And so I'm trying to think if I've been in there. I might, I may have been in there once since they've done it. So you guys clearly go, we can go to Fitty. It, is it still good? What what's what's up yeah, with still the same. Is the rebranding any different other than the logo and the way they operate or is the food different? I mean... I think their Tex-Mex is better than Chipotle's. Ooh, that's a good debate. And a matter of fact, the last time when we were at the golf course, when we were at the golf tournament, I went to the Moe's okay. off Independence after we were finished. All right, I'm just yeah. – I hope, I hope that's, that's a good debate right there. Big, I mean, Moe's is good. Moe's. I love Qdoba too, but I would have to go – probably the place I eat it the most is Chipotle, so I probably would have to give them the crown at this point. Okay. Because I eat there more than any of the others. All right. So all the, the what, what is the best Tex-Mex place? Um, do you even consider all those places the same? Like Qdoba, Moe's, Chipotle? I do Chipotle? not. Because they have, different? they have menu items that differentiate themselves. And they taste different, too. Because I used to go to Moe's a lot uh, as well. Mm-hmm. To kind of swap. At first, I didn't go to Chipotle hardly at all. I was going to Moe's and Qdoba. Then I started going to Chipotle a lot because I like their food. But no, they do not. All I just feel like Qdoba that. loads you up, man. They do not. That's what yeah, I like. Do. That's pretty consistent for me, my Qdoba experiences. I feel like it's the least popular of all the ones that we're mentioning, but it's also the one that gives me the most food. Yeah, and so shout out They have to some Qdoba. type of new barbecue type of chicken because I had that one a few weeks ago and it was really good. All right. So I just wanted to see what were some of the, was the rebrand worth it? For Moe's, and uh, I really hope that they're still welcoming everybody once they walk into the door. Okay, speaking of rebranding, is it time for Charlotte Sports to just go through a complete rebranding of the Charlotte Hornets and the Carolina Panthers? We already did it once, twice with the Hornets franchise. We went to the Bobcats after the original Hornets left us, and then we went back. We took our name back, but still, a lot of the same results. I was talking about the state of Charlotte Sports, and I did want to go back into the archives and see where it compares. And so I immediately go to 2010 for the Panthers because that was the last time you could go to anything remotely close to a record this bad. 2010, the Panthers go 2-14. and 14. They're the worst team in the NFL. Jimmy Clausen is their QB the last year before you have Cam Newton. 
And that was a year where the Hornets actually made the playoffs as the Bobcats. So even going back to 2010, collectively with both of these teams being considered, I don't even know if you can go there because that was Larry Brown, Gerald Wallace, Cap Jack. They got you to the postseason. They were 44 and 38 in the 2009-2010 year. If you wanted to go 2010-2011, they were 34 and 48. Brown got fired, but even still, 34-48, you were getting set up for the seven-win season. But I don't know if you can go back that far, right? So, or if you can go back to that year. If you go back to the next bad season, 2001, when the Panthers are 1 and 15, that was the heyday. <laughs> you could argue that was the best team in Charlotte Hornets history with Baron Davis, who just got honored over the weekend, by the way. That was as far as they've ever been in the Eastern Conference playoffs. They were one game away from making the conference finals. So that was as best as it's ever been. I I hate shedding light on just how negative the state is right now. I don't want to talk about this. It's not anything that I'm excited about. But, man, we are in, oh, you can compare this to as to the worst times in Charlotte sports fan history. Like, this is where we are. Maybe the team leaving is a little bit different. You're not talking about a bad record. That was a good team when they got taken away, which is really hard. But just as far as what those teams are doing at that moment in time, at the same moment in time, it doesn't get much worse than this if you go back in the in the archives here, Wes Bryant. So what I think, as far as these teams, they each need a shakeup, one internally and one internally and externally. Let me explain. So for the Hornets, I think they need to make some deals to get some guys in that's a little more gritty, they care just a little bit more about winning to to be able to turn this culture around because I think the Hornets culture is, in my book, an all-time low. And so then I think for the Panthers, yeah, you need to go out and sign the requisite players that you're going to need if you want to get better. That's clear. And I think, too, to get some more goodwill going with this program, I think it's finally time for a uniform change. Like, I think that you, you do oh. that as well. Yeah, I think it's time to do that. Get the fans going with something that they can go out and put their hands on, a new jersey, something new to get them excited. Go out and get free agents, have a nice draft, add some new uniforms to the mix, and I think that will bring some goodwill for a franchise that's really going through it right now because the Panthers have been around for so long, and they have not changed their uniforms. I'm like, uh, nobody's talking about Carolina's uniforms as being iconic, like the Steelers and the Niners and the Cowboys and some of those. The Panthers are long overdue for a uniform change, and I think that would give the fan base a shot in the arm. The Part of, part of that is it's never going to be true just because – the Panthers are still one of the newest teams in the NFL. Right, even to this which point. is why they should have switched uniforms already. Well, or, you know, what kind of combo were we having with San Francisco once they're 30, 35 years in existence? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's you, you've got to build more of a history here. I do think the Panthers unis, they look pretty good. That, no, they are dope. There's, there's no question, but I think it's time for new uniforms. All right. Well, Wes Bryant wants new unis. Rebranding like Moe's. Yeah, but we don't love it, right? Like, if we don't, I like the Moe's rebrand. Right. I'm cool with that. All right. So, yeah, that that's ultimately, <laughs> let's just put a bow on it there. The lesson, the, the takeaway from this segment is 
Carolina, be more like Mo's. And I was going to ask you, too, you would be that manager, wouldn't you, to make everybody say welcome to Mo's since you're so upset that that didn't happen. You'd be the guy to be telling them that they need to do that. I want you to work, and I want you to have a smile on your face. And say welcome to Mo's. Yep, go ahead. Welcome to Mo's, man. Yeah, I think it brightens up the people's day. <laughs> At least in my opinion. If I'm having a bad day, I'm telling you to go to hell. Telling me to say welcome to Mo's all the time. What is it in the uh, in Roadhouse? Always be nice. Always. That I'm would gonna be, be nice, but it's gonna okay. be like welcome to Mo's. All right, that's true. Okay, let's move on. Let's uh, <laughs> let's talk. You know, we can talk more about what is the right etiquette to have if you're working at a Tex-Mex restaurant. One more hour to go. The Live Wire coming up with Josh Fitty Marlowe, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.